0: Hi, and welcome to the Church Unlimited podcast. Church Unlimited is a vibrant Bible-based church in North Lakes, Queensland, that is passionate about helping people discover the genuine love of Jesus. If you're currently looking for a new home church, we'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship from 4pm at North Lakes State College on the corner of Discovery Drive and Joiner Circuit. We hope you enjoy this great message from our Sunday service and come for a visit someday soon. Well, I want to continue our vision series. A couple of Sundays ago, I uh, shared about the 2020 vision for our church. And I want to say to you, if you are new to Church Unlimited or you missed that weekend and you call Church Unlimited home, I want to say, please go listen to the podcast. uh, Because we are in exciting times in our church. We're moving towards our new property for the first time in 36 years. We are, uh, God is growing. Things are happening. God is on the move. And so are we. And uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Then last week, I talked about seeing the more that God has in store for you. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he says, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of men the things which God has already prepared for those who love him. God has already prepared for you so much more. If you're here and you're single and you're believing to be married, you have to believe, hey, God has good things in store for me, and I can believe that He has already prepared a spouse for me. If you're here and you're believing for a job, you need to believe. Liz Logan said in our pre-service meeting, she said, you cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. I thought that was pretty profound and pretty simple, but you can't You cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. And scripture tells us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard all the things that God has already prepared for us. And so I think it's okay for us to stop and say, God, I thank you that you hold all my needs. You've got that job squared away, Lord. I know that you've already got it sorted. And so I'm gonna continue to walk by faith to see your provision unfold in my life. Today I want to continue our vision series by talking about problems. We've all got them. The great wartime leader Sir Winston Churchill was once asked the question, what is it like to be Sir Winston Churchill? You see, Mr. Churchill had lived an amazing life. He was responsible for leading the coalition against the Nazis and defeating them and lifting the curse of German tyranny. He had gone from an obscure man that was barely liked to a world-renowned hero. And so a reporter, at the first opportunity later on in life, asks him, Well, Mr. Churchill, what is it like to be the great Sir Winston Churchill? And his response was a little underwhelming. This is what he says. Well, life is really just one damn thing after the next. Wow, I'm so overwhelmed with all that positivity. Thank you, great one. Life is just one damn thing after the next. Life is just one problem, one headache, one thing after the next. Have you ever thought to yourself, gee, I've got so much going on. I'm out every night. I have that assignment due. There's so much work stuff pressuring me. I've got bills that need paying. My kids have to be there, here, there, and everywhere. The refrigerator is starting to die. i got to trim the hedges, and the hedge trimmer won't even start. I don't know about you. But sometimes I feel like I could write a pretty decent cu- country and western song if I just had five minutes. <laughs> if I just had a spare five minutes, I'm certain I could write one. My dog died. That's true. I could write a good country and western song. Oftentimes we say to ourselves, I just need to make it through the next couple of weeks. Have you ever nudged your spouse and said, all right, we, gotta, we, j- we just got to make it through the next couple of weeks only to get through those couple of weeks and look at one another and say how are we still here again there's always more damn things to deal with jesus in fact tells us that it's going to be like that in john 16 he says in this life you will have problems thanks jesus <laughs> i have come that you might have life overwhelming and you're going to have a whole lot of problems taking on our church. Two years ago, I took on the leadership of, it's now called Church Unlimited, but it used to be called Breathe Church. And I was so excited about taking on Breathe Church. I knew that I was going to finally become the senior minister. I was going to have a badge and a parking space. And... You see, I had been the youth pastor for a number of years. Then i became the young adults pastor i became a bible college principal i became a campus pastor and a church planter and finally it's my time to shine and i am now finally promoted to become senior pastor and i must tell you since coming to breathe church slash church unlimited it has been one damn thing after the next When I arrived here, I found out that the church was riddled with problems. Many of our church members decided that they were going to worship somewhere else. Our team had diminished from their former glory. I remember having the most petty conversation with Alan about this stupid photocopier that we were paying $450 a month for. We're still paying for it. In all the financial turmoil of our church, we had signed up, when I say we, before me, had signed up for a five-year lease on a $450 a month printer. And I remember calling Alan, going, Alan, there's got to a way out of this. And Alan goes, James, I'm telling you, there isn't. And I said, Alan, I don't believe you. Give me the phone number. So I called the company, and I said, how do we get out of this? And they go, look, if you break your lease now, we reckon... That we can, uh, by the time you pay the balloon payment and everything, you'll save $8. I said, Damn it. That's another damn thing. And then I called Alan and said, Alan, you were right. I hate that printer. I still hate that printer. It's just, why? I had these grand plans that I'm finally gonna be the senior pastor. Barry, I'm living the dream. Only to find out that it's just been one problem after the next feels like sometimes family can be like that. It's just one problem after the next. I remember being in my prayer time and getting a little bit stroppy with the Lord. Lord, I came from a rich church. I came from a rich church, Lord, where I never wanted for anything. I even got paid more at that other church. Lord, I've church planted twice. Lord, I've done the set up, pack up thing and now this is my lot in life. And the Lord responded to me, as he often does. He says, why do you think I brought you to the Morton region? He said, do you think I really brought you down here to live the cushy, lavish life? You think that I brought you down here to have all these minions? And I said, well, Lord, a couple of minions would be helpful. And I got Paula Snow. The Lord started to speak to me that he brought me here because there are tons of problems in the Morton region. we got marriage problems. we got youth problems. We've got police and youth problems. We've got problems in our schools. We've got economic problems. We've got suicide and depression and hope problems. We've got family problems. We've got community problems. And the Lord spoke to me, he said, James, I brought you here that you would bring solutions to these problems, you see, John sixteen thirty three says, "I have told you these things so that you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Huh. That you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart," says the Lord, "for I have overcome the world." Jesus says, "In this life, you will have problems, but take heart." I have overcome the world. Jesus says it's going to be one damn thing after the next, but don't throw your hands in despair. Understand that Christ himself has overcome every cursed, every damn thing and broken the power of the curse. We often have a very negative view of our problems. We see our problems as punishment. We see ourselves as victims of tragic circumstance. We love to say things like, why me? I've been guilty of saying that from time to time. If anybody had a reason to complain, I think it would be Mother Teresa, who outworked her God call in the slums of Calcutta, India. This is what Mother Teresa says about problems. She says, problems are a sign that God believes in me. Excuse me while I just go over here and uh, clean myself up. (laughs) Problems are a sign that God believes in me. What a different way of thinking. Sometimes I wish God didn't believe in me so much. (laughs) Mother Teresa thinks that problems are a sign that God believes in us. We tend to think that God is punishing us, or maybe worse, that he has abandoned us. But we actually need to see them as divine appointments from God that lead to opportunities to win. Mother Teresa had incredible insight to the nature of God, and this is the thought that I want to explore tonight, that problems are actually God's vote of confidence in you if you would choose to see it that way. Our problems are all a matter of perspective. If you have a negative, beat-up, downcast vision, seeing yourself as a victim then everything that happens to you is tragedy and folly. But if you see yourself as a son or daughter of God, that the Spirit of God is upon you, that you can run into life knowing that God is with you and God is for you, and you can overcome the world. Life really is full of problems. How you see and handle those problems is really the difference. Someone once told me that This life is less about what happens to us and more about how we respond to what happens to us. We've got to learn how to shift our thinking and our vision and see our problems differently. People typically look for the easy way out of hard situations. We've trained ourselves to think, how do I get out of this hardship? But we actually need to retrain ourselves to see opportunities in the midst of these problems. Look at Jonah from Scripture. God presents Jonah with an incredible problem. The state of humanity at Nineveh. Jonah looks at Nineveh and knows exactly who those people are. They are debaucherous. They are evil, evil people. And God tells Jonah, Jonah, go to those evil people And teach them about me. And what does Jonah do? He's gone. He's on a boat. And he's in the middle of this boat, in the middle of the storm, and he knows that the wind and the waves are because he is being disobedient to his God call. He saw a problem and chose to run in the opposite direction. So he gets thrown into the belly of a whale. That will soften him up. It's amazing how your perspective changes when you're in the belly of a whale. Not that I've ever been in one, but figuratively, I feel like I've been in many. Too many people live their lives like Jonah. Instead of embracing the challenges and opportunities, the problems that are ahead, they run for the hills. They get into a relationship, and it's going well, until the slightest moment of turbulence, and they cut and run. They start a new job, thinking, yep, this will be all right. And the moment they get a little bit of difficulty from the boss... They resign. These type of people are friends, family even, to the Hebrew spies. They get right up to the edge of the promised land, and they're about to go in and possess it until they realize what they have to do to possess the promised land. They realize they're going to have to get some blood on their hands. They're going to have to kill some people and fight some battles. And so they make a decision to stay in the wilderness where it's nice and safe. God gives us incredible promises and then challenges us by faith to apprehend the promises. But it's going to mean to press through the adversity and overcome the problems. This means that we're all called to apprehend God's promises and there's going to be some damn things we're going to have to overcome to do so. I felt to preach this message in light of our building because there have been moments where I have not thought of it as the blessed house of the Lord. People handle problems in all different kinds of ways. Some people abscond from problems. They run. Just the thought of sticking it out is just too overwhelming, and so they cut and run the moment the opportunity presents itself. I know a lot of people that are like that. There's a great verse in Scripture that says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up, I reckon we don't see the breakthrough because we cut and run way too early. We abscond from our problems instead of embracing them and running at them. Some people don't abscond from problems. They aggravate problems. These people are so annoying. They throw fuel on the problems and it seems like they make it worse. Rather than be proactive, they turn mountains into molehills. They exacerbate the difficulties and just make the whole thing worse. Other people don't abscond from problems or aggravate problems. They just announce problems. They're professional announcers. They say things like, that's not going to work. Oh, thanks. (laughs) We've tried that before. Alan said, yeah, we've tried to get out of that printer lease before. I said, you're just an announcer of problems. (laughs) So then I called the printer company and I went back to Alan. I said, Alan, you're more than an announcer of problems. You're a man who's fought that battle and got beat. As did I. Some people just talk and talk and talk and talk about problems. Some people are just gifted. There's like a gift from heaven to point them out. The music's too loud. The preacher's going too long. It's too dark in here. The air con's not working. Yeah, Blind Freddy can tell you that the air con's not working. I love to watch sports. In my spare time, I I love to watch sports, and there's one thing that I've discovered in all of my days of watching sports. It doesn't matter what the commentators actually have to say. It doesn't change anything in the game. They're just announcers. So you have the absconders, you have the aggravators and the announcers, and then here you have, which I believe is one of the most wicked types of responses, and that is the accommodator of problems. Problems. They, they just accommodate problems. These are people that have shaken hands with the devil. They've come to a place where they have placed their faith and their agreement with the fact that this is just the way things are always going to be. This is my law and life. All right, devil, deal. Instead of believing for God's higher for my life, nope, I've just come to accommodate. This is the way my marriage is always going to be. That's the way my kids are always going to be. My dad was poor. My granddad was poor. We're going to be poor. No one's ever done university in our family. Yep. No, but uh, what what chance do I have? And we come to a place where we accept and start to accommodate problems. Rather than the landlords who evict the squatter, they give him half the house. And it's amazing how we do that in our own hearts a lot. Personally, I believe that We are put on this earth to bring solutions to our problems. I have decided that I don't want to be a problem absconder, or aggravator or announcer or even accommodator. I have decided I want to be a problem solver. Jesus, when he announces his ministry in Luke chapter 4, this is what he says. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach to the poor, to heal brokenness, to proclaim liberty to those who are in captivity, the recovery of sight to those who are blind, and to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. The Spirit of the Lord God had come upon Jesus and anointed Him to solve some problems. Notice what it doesn't say. The spirit of the Lord God has come upon me and he has anointed me to fall down on the ground and he has anointed me to roll around laughing. This is where too many churches get it wrong. We believe that the spirit anoints us to fall down on the ground and we count it a great service when we're paralyzed in the Holy Spirit. We love to use weird language like I was slain in the spirit. Go tell that to your unchurched friend. What happened to you on Sunday? Oh, the power of God was amazing. I was slain. What? (laughs) I'm convinced more and more that the Holy Spirit is not interested in paralyzing me on the ground. He's interested in mobilizing me to go to people, that there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit that comes upon me to be a problem solver. This is what we see happens for Jesus. Jesus is anointed to heal brokenness, to open eyes of people that are blind, and to set people free from their oppression, Jesus was a problem solver. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have some problems. But take heart, I have overcome those problems. If Jesus is the great problem solver, and he lives in you and I, then you and I are anointed to solve problems and we have got to shift the way that we see things too often people ask the question why do bad things happen to good people i think we're thinking about this all wrong bad things aren't happening to me if problems are a sign of god's confidence in me then bad things are not happening to me no i am happening to bad things Too many of us live like the victim. Bad things are happening to me. We've got to shift our minds and shift our our thinking to see, no, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's anointed me to kick some devil butt, to break things open. Yeah, that was going bad until Hensley got there. No, it didn't get worse when I got there. Some of you are like, yeah. No, God, if my problems are a sign in God's confidence in me, then I have to see that the problems that come in front of me, God believes that I can handle it and that I am going to bring a solution to it and overcome that problem. We have got to change the way that we think. I have decided that I am not going to live my life worried that bad things are going to happen to me. Bad things are terrified that I'm going to happen to them instead of coming and saying, oh, breathe, church. No, God brought me here. To turn the ship, to rebuild the walls, to see the church of Jesus expand. That's what I'm here for. That's why God brought you here. He's anointed me to solve problems. And so here's four ways that we need to see our problems. Four ways we need to see. Because there's a vision. you got to change your vision. Number one, problems give purpose to my life. Your problems are actually very important. Some of you are trying to get rid of your problems, but your problems bring significance. They bring purpose to your life. If you think about it, your problems provide you with purpose. James Ullman, who is a famous mountaineer, he's a climber, is quoted. This is what he says. Problems are the core and mainstream of all human action. Interesting. If there is an ocean, we're going to cross it. If there is a disease, we're going to cure it. If there is a wrong, we're going to right it. If there is a record, we're going to break it. And if there is a mountain, we are going to climb it. I think that is an incredible way of thinking. We are created to overcome, we are created to thrive, not survive. So many of us live like Uh, survivors. You know, we say things like, I'm a cancer survivor or I survived that car accident. I believe that we're called not to, we didn't survive a divorce. We didn't survive our parents dying. We didn't, no, I'm gonna thrive in the midst of it because Jesus told me that I'm gonna have some problems. And in the midst of it, I can get the spirit of an overcomer and see that God is going to work all things together for my good and I'm gonna prosper in the midst of it. Isn't it true that most of the people that we admire, We admire because of the problems that they solved. Look at Thomas Edison. Solved the problem of darkness. Mixed hero, that's why he became an electrician. Benjamin Franklin. Solved the problem of random lightning strikes. The Wright brothers solved the problem of gravity in creating the airplane. Alexander Bell solved the problem of long distance communication. Nelson Mandela. Solve the problem of apartheid. Your problems provide you purpose. If you want to live for a great purpose, you have to commit yourself to solving great problems. People with great purpose solve great problems. Look at all of our heroes from Scripture. Moses delivered the Israelites. Esther saved the Israelites from genocide. David defeated a giant-sized problem. Joshua possessed the promised land after he defeated 31 kings. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of God's city. If you name me a hero, I'm going to name you a problem that they solved. No, Kim Kardashian is not a hero. <laughs> no wonder people live meaningless lives. You don't have any real problems. We have massive problems in our church. We're going to, have, we're going to always have problems in church. Problems of growth or problems of decline. You're always going to have problems in church. At Church Unlimited, we're always going to have problems. And I've just decided, you know what? Our problems are going to become our purpose, and we're going to overcome them to see all that, that God has for us. If someone asks you what your purpose is, what's the meaning of life? Your answer better be a problem. The, the meaning of life is not to sit in a lounge chair in Cancun with a Mai Tai and a cool hat. That, that's, that's a vacation. From what you're really doing, solving problems and overcoming. Number two, your problems give you a measure of what kind of life that you're living. If your problems provide you with purpose, then the problems that you're solving are a measure of what kind of life you're actually living. Look at the Olympic high jumpers' record. The Olympic high jump record is 2.45 meters high. That's unbelievable. I am 1.83, and somebody can jump. I can't even reach 2.45. Somebody has cleared the bar at 2.45 meters high. That is unbelievable. Do you think that that record would ever be held if there wasn't a crossbar? It's like jumping into thin... (laughs) Why is that weirdo jumping on the mat? He's trying to get to 2.45. How does he know if he ever did it? The crossbar... Is the problem in that equation and it provides a measure of what you can do no one would have ever jumped for a 2.45 meters if there was no high uh, no bar set you can tell a lot about people by the size of the problems that they give themselves to addressing the size of problems show what kind of life you're living let me give you two names Bono and Brittany both are very famous for their own accomplishments. Bono is admired. He's the front man and the lead, sing- lead singer of, of uh, the band U2. And Bono is well-respected around the world. You know that Bono has given most of his money and most of his efforts into solving major global issues like poverty and bringing help and healing to HIV and AIDS around the world. Bono is uh, is a great humanitarian. I don't know if you like his music or not, but as a man, he's been a great solution to many problems on the earth today. Britney, on the other, Britney Spears, you might be familiar with her. She's the one that you're snickering at right now. She's often mocked, not highly regarded. Britney has given herself to solving big problems as well. Big problems as to whether or not she's going to wear underwear to the nightclub that night. Big problems as to whether or not she's going to get into rehab or not. Big problems for Brittany. These two people have had similar success in their fields, but Bono is admired because of the types of problems that he has given himself to addressing. Some of us are so, we're we're like trying to get out of a wet paper bag. We're we're, we're like, "I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in my glass house of emotion. I, 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 I. I I can't get free. While other people are solving bigger problems, we're sitting here trying to solve our own problems. We've become navel gazers where we just sit here and look within all the time at our own little problems. But Jesus has called us to be so much more than that. You can tell a lot about a person by the size of the problems that they've given themselves to addressing. George Bernard Shaw says this, this is the true joy in life. Being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one. Being used for a purpose. Being a force of nature instead of feverish, selfish, little clod of ailments and grievances. Complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. That is a little bit confronting. Because every now and again we feel like we're selfish little clods. We've got all these little grievances. It's like we're like chicken little. The sky is falling. But it's not. We've got to give ourselves to problems that are worthy of our attention. And we have to see those problems as a sign that God has great confidence in us. If the biggest questions and problems that you're solving are what to do tomorrow night, or what you're going to wear to that costume party coming up, or even what kind of TV are you going to buy in the coming months, You're living way below your value. The missionary, Francis Xavier, says, give up your small ambitions and come save the world. I like that quote. Sometimes we get so caught up in our petty little ambitions, we think the greatest problem to solve is how to get the lawnmower started. Right now, I've got a green pool. The pool in my backyard is green. In our prayer meeting before, Liz challenged us to start saying things that we're grateful for. And so I was challenged because my pool is giving me grief at the moment. I can't get it right with all the rain that we've been having. And I started to say, Lord, I thank you for my green pool. Because some people don't even have one, but I've got a green one. Lord, I'm so grateful. And I've got to be honest with you. My call in life is so much bigger than solving the problem of my green pool. What we're doing, what we're on about, is so much bigger and so much more important. Number three, our problems create opportunities. Problems create opportunities. In the early 1900s, there was a little weevil, which is a bug, that migrated from Mexico to North America where it proceeded to devastate the cotton crops of Alabama. This weevil measured only six millimeters in length, and it cut the cotton production by seven million bales of cotton in one season. It was devastating. Unable to grow cotton, the farmers were so discouraged, and in their discouragement, they all unified and said that they were going to diversify and move into growing peanuts. As a result, they became way more prosperous growing and selling peanuts than they ever did with cotton. And so, true story, on the 11th of December, 1911, the residents of Enterprise, Alabama, erected a monument to the boll weevil. When you drive into town, you can see a gigantic statue and a boll weevil on the statue. The monument is still there today. And this is what the monument says in the inscription in profound appreciation for the boll weevil that has done a lot to herald the prosperity of Enterprise Alabama. (laughs) What? You you made a statue? You made a statue to the thing that destroyed all of your crops? Yes. Because in the midst of that problem, we recalculated a few things, we diversified and made a couple of major adjustments And we are now filthy, stinking rich, thanks to peanuts. We love ball weevils. It seems like a very funny thing to say, but I just wonder how many problems are we facing right now in our lives that one day, 20 years down the road, we're gonna build monuments to. I am so glad I lost that job. I am so glad that 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 business failed and I had this other idea. I'm so glad that that relationship didn't work out because she was a one-way ticket to a bad place. Or he, You know, in Psalm 23, David says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That when you see your enemies, when you see problems, when you see troubles, it's time to start looking for the table. Too many of us, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We are so stuck on all of our enemies, all of our problems that we forget. That he has prepared a table for me to feast on wow i'm too busy running from my problems that i forget that my father in heaven has prepared an incredible table in the midst of my trouble in the midst of my adversity in the midst of everything that's pressing against me it's time to have a meal it's time to feast i just believe we need to start to think like scripture is telling us to think We need to start to see that in the midst of everything that, you might feel like everything is going wrong in your life. Let me tell you, I'm excited for you. What? No, I am. I am excited for you because in the midst of your enemies, your father is preparing a table for you. You can see there's incredible opportunity in the midst of everything that is going on around about us. We gotta stop running from our problems and see our problems as an opportunity to get great victories in our lives. I love that David shows up on the edge of the battlefield and sees the big Philistine taunting the people of God. And he thinks, if there is a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. David was much like Vanilla Ice. Many of you might be familiar with Vanilla Ice. He was the only white rapper in the early 90s. Before Eminem, there was Vanilla Ice. And Vanilla Ice was famous for the song, Ice Ice Baby. If you don't know it, you're missing out. I grew up on that song. But the hook in the song says, if there is a problem, yo, because that's how we talk, I'll solve it. David looked at a problem that was facing the Israelites and said, hey, I'm 13. I'll kill that giant. And everybody else is like, "You no. So David goes before the, the king, King Saul. And King Saul says, how are you going to kill the giant? And he pulls out a slingshot. <laughs> no, no. So Saul puts all this armor on him. Here, put this helmet on and this, and here's that sword. And And this 13-year-old boy can't even lift the sword. and, And David says, sorry, buddy, I can't fight in all that. Just hand me my sling. Then this is where it gets weird. David, 13 years old, gets to the edge of the battlefield. And it says he sees Saul in the distance. And quote, unquote, he begins to run at Goliath. Now, my son Judah is 12. Can't operate a sling. I'm trying to teach him skills, nunchuck skills, bo staff skills, <laughs> computer hacking skills. I'm trying to teach him some skills, but he's a pretty good baseball player. If Judah was to go before Goliath, I'm sure he would take his new $300 baseball glove and a brand new ball out of the wrapping, and he would run at that Philistine and launch one of his 60 kilometer an hour balls right at the dude's head. It says that this 13-year-old boy ran at the problem. So many of us are running away from our problems. Uh, David is running at his problem and has an incredible victory. Friend, you need to hear me. If you break up with your boyfriend, hallelujah. Serious. He left you? Ha ha! Yeah! Woo! Pumped. Well, no, I'm not somebody else would be. No, you, you, you've got to say, no, that's awesome. Because if God took someone out of your life, God knew that you did not need them in your life to win. I'm going to say that again. If God took someone out of your life, he knew that you did not need them in your life to win. You've got to see it as an opportunity. Instead of writing your own country and Western song about how she left you, no, God's got something better for me. It's called celibacy. Woohoo! No. That's no. No, I got to see it as an opportunity because God knew that that person was not going to lead me into my destiny. Now, I am actually pretty sad that that person's not in my life. However, God, God works things together for my good, not for my demise and my destruction. So many of us believe this this scripture, it's found in the book of Hezekiah. Hezekiah one, and the Lord is making my life miserable by taking all the things that I love out of it. If you didn't know, Hezekiah is not actually a book of the Bible. Some of you are like, oh, I thought it was. No, <laughs> I just made that up, pulled it out of thin air. God is not taking all the things you love out of your life to make you miserable. There's an opportunity in the midst of your problem. If you lose your job, don't see it as the end of the world. It's an incredible opportunity. Because now, man, the world is my oyster. The Lord did not set me up to fail. One of, His, one, one of the fruits of the Spirit is faithfulness. Do you know that God doesn't know how to not be faithful? It's in His DNA. He's always faithful, even when you are not faithful. He is always faithful. And so we have to believe. No, God's with me. God's for me. He's faithful. I lost my job. Woohoo! It's a different way of thinking. But there's an opportunity because God didn't set me up to fail. I want to invite the team to come. Here's the last one. Problems create the perfect opportunity or environment for miracles. I'll be honest with you. I was having a whinge with the Lord about the building. I said, Lord, why is it not going like I planned? The Lord said to me, I'm building the building not you I was like what the Lord was reminding me unless the Lord builds the house we labor in vain and so God is going to take things out of my control because I'm a control freak I love putting my hands on I love Excel spreadsheets I love budgets that balance I love I love having no gaps I love having a smooth seamless transition and the Lord goes no it's not a walk you don't walk by excel you walk by faith and so the thing's not going to balance it's not going to measure up, it's not going to equate and there's gaps there's gaps in the story, how is this going to work out, I don't know but I do know when there's gaps that God does miracles if we hold on Without the problem of the blind man, there's no miracle of healing. Without the problem of the hungry crowd, there's no miracle of feeding the 4,000 or the 5,000. Without the problem of running out of wine at the wedding feast, there's no turning of water into wine. Without the problem of sin and humanity, there's no cross. You have to understand, Jesus saw Himself as a divine problem solver, he came from heaven to earth to break the curse, to break the damn problem of sin and lift damnation off of mankind. He broke the curse because he saw himself as a problem solver. Friends, you've heard me say many, many times that God doesn't do magic, He does miracles. Magic it is where we set up camp on our favorite lounge chair. We pray those, those little prayers like, Lord, I'm lonely. I want a girlfriend. And then occasionally we wiggle our tongue around in our mouths, like that's going to help him. And then occasionally we, we don't eat that day. Lord, I'm not eating today. I'm fasting. I need a girlfriend. Or insert whatever you're needed. Whatever you're, Lord, I need a job. I'm not eating today because I need you to give me a job. We do funny things, but we're waiting for God to do magic in our lives. God's a miracle worker, not a magic worker. He's not a magician. He's God. Notice every miracle that Jesus ever did involved people, by faith, doing something. How did the water turn from water to wine? Because a bunch of guys went and filled water pots in faith. There was a problem, but they chose to get involved. I don't know. Why are we bringing water? The king is going to be ticked. He doesn't want water. He wants more wine. Well, we're just doing what that Jesus guy said. All right, let's do it. blind Bartimaeus Lord son of David have mercy on me He cried out in faith faith leads us to our breakthrough leads us to our miracle we've got to choose to see these as opportunities instead of moments that are designed to break us you have to understand we get it all wrong it's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He came that we would have life and life abundant. So whatever in your life looks like death, destruction, and being stolen from is an opportunity for abundant, overflowing life to pour out on you. You've got to change the way you see your problems, friends. Our problems are an invitation from God to trust. One of the things that I have found so helpful in my life in the last couple of months is this position right here. When I get down here and I start to do this, it's amazing that what's sitting in here starts to unburden. And I stop and I go, God, I don't have all this together. Lord, my kids, they've started a new school. I can't make friends for them. I can't help them settle. I can't, I can't do it for them, God. I, I've got a problem. And, and so, Lord, I'm looking to you for a miracle. I know that they were happy at the other school, but now they're at this school, and, and it seems like a problem, but I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of this problem, that you're preparing a table before them in this new opportunity. I'm looking to you for miracles. I can't manufacture carpet. If I was a carpet maker, I would absolutely make carpet for the new building. But I, I'm not a carpet maker. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a talker. I'm a professional talker. And so, Lord, right now, I just give you this problem. I give you the door knobs that didn't show up like they were supposed to show up. Lord, I, I give you that skip bin that's overflowing, and they won't come and get it. And, I, Lord, I give you that guy who didn't do what he said he was going to I just, I just start to when you take that position of faith, notice I'm not running. (laughs) Mike's the new pastor. (laughs) Sorry, Mark is the new pastor. (laughs) No, I'm still here. Tired. Fighting the good fight of faith. Believing that the Lord is preparing a table. Come on, stand to your feet. you got to see that you're preparing a table, Father. You're preparing a table before me. In the midst of all of my naysayers. In the midst of my deficiency. In the midst of my lack. In the midst of that thing I'm so disappointed about. You're preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Maybe just in your own way, close your eyes for a second. Just get with God for a second. What problems, what problems have you got in your life right now that are weighing you down, they are burdening you? Scripture tells us that we can cast our cares upon the Lord, that we can give him our heavy burdens, exchange them for the the light and easy yoke. Father, we just give you every problem. We give you the burden. We give you the weight. We give you the pressure. The pressure to provide. The the pressure to, to find a way. The pressure. Lord, we trust that you're working on our behalf. Lord, even though all I can see is enemies, help us shift our vision to see the table. To see the Lord's table of provision and opportunity and miracles. We choose right now to see differently. Father, we ask you to forgive us where we've become victims, where we've we've started to speak the language of victims. Why me? Poor me. How could this happen to me? We ask you right now that you would start to clean out our mouths and clean out our eyes. Renew our senses, Holy Spirit, right now start to renew us start to instead of seeing that we lost and missed out let us see no hang on a minute you got something so much better so much better so we carry too many disappointments because we're viewing our problems in the wrong way holy spirit you're the great physician you're the great helper you're the paraclete you're the one that comes and brings comfort to our hearts Help us to see that every problem that we're facing is not a not you punishing us, but it's a sign of your confidence in us. You know, I made mention before about Jesus. The whole reason that Jesus came from heaven to earth was to solve a problem. He came here to solve a problem. He came to solve the problem of sin. Scripture tells us that all have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's standards through our own wrongdoing. Whether we tell lies or have impure thoughts, whether we cheat or steal, have anger, whatever our things are, we've all got different things going on. But Scripture tells us that Jesus came to solve the problem of humanity. You know, I wonder if there are people here and you've not allowed Jesus to solve that problem in your life. The greatest decision I ever made in my life was when I said, Jesus, I am a sinner. I have fallen short. I I have done all these things that are wrong against you, God, and I need you to come into my life and bring salvation, the great problem solver. Come into my life and forgive me of my sins. The greatest decision I ever made was that day it was June the 20th the year 2000 when I stopped and I said Jesus I need you to come and solve my problem my problem I am not right with you I am wrong and when I did that Jesus started to change my life everything is different now I am I cannot believe where I am today given where I started and I just wonder if you're here today and maybe you know you need to do that too Maybe you need to be honest with yourself and say, you know what, James? I I can't keep living the way that I'm living. I need to stop and I need to do business with God tonight. I've got a problem in my life. My biggest problem is my own self. I'm independent. I'm doing things my way. I need to stop and do things God's way. Maybe we could just bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. I'm not asking if you're spiritual. I'm not asking if you want to join our church. What I'm asking you right now is, do you need to stop and do business with Jesus here and now? If that's you, I would like to lead you in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. It just says, Jesus, I need you to come and forgive me of my sins. Set me free and help me to live to be the man or woman that you have called me to be. If that's you and you need to pray that prayer tonight, would you just give me a little wave? I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down again. I don't want to waylay this moment any longer than it needs to, but I do want to include you in prayer one last time. If that's you and you need to pray, just give me a wave. I'll see your hand and then you can put it back down again. I'll pray with you right where you're at. Don't miss this moment, friend. You know it's you because your heart is racing. If that's you, just, just a little wave. You we'll, we can pray. Cool. Father, I thank you that you came into our lives to solve our problems. Lord, we stop and we just acknowledge you tonight. We say that you are good, that you are faithful. Lord, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, that, mirror, that, that waymaker song, even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, I know you're working on my behalf. Lord, we trust you right now We trust you with our hearts, with our lives, and we trust you with everything that is exalting itself against us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good and you are faithful and you are for us. Lord, I speak your blessing over everyone here today. Lord, I thank you that as we go, we go in your favor. Lord, that you don't have things out there to harm us, but you've got things that are out there to give us a hope and a future. Lord, I just speak right now hope and future over our church. We just receive it by faith in Jesus' name, and we thank you, God, that you are good always. Amen, amen. You are a problem solver. Don't be worried that bad things are going to happen to you, because I'm telling you, bad things are freaking out about you right now. Kim Miles, bad things are quaking in their boots. Oh no, she's done. Bible, she's doing Bible college. Oh no. Oh no, she's gonna be something. Oh no. God's created you for great things, Kim. You gotta see yourself bigger, bigger. I like you a lot. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. We pray that you and your family are richly blessed in the love and grace of Jesus. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday worship.